and um, I'll let him get up here and, and do that, but um, thank you for being here. Had a good first service. It was hard to, it's hard to shift gears. I might have worn myself out in that first service, so if you were in the first service and you heard the sermon, <clears throat> you got the better of the two, I'm afraid, but uh, if I start going south, we'll just put the recording up. Um, well, let's pray together. Lord, we, um, we're tools in your hand, and uh, I mean, if you don't build it, we're, we're laboring in vain, so... What we're trying to do here with people, with our city, with a community called a church is um, be a part of what you're building. Some purposes we can, can see and you've clearly identified other things. You know, you have so many things in mind for the apostles that they would have never had in mind for themselves. And so we want to be open to that as well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Carl. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay, awesome. All right, we have two studies um, starting next week, running seven weeks through the middle of October. Um, both are pretty much variations on the same theme, and that theme is, is what is the gospel? Uh, the first class uh, will be taught in the smaller Sunday school class. Um, this is my prop. Um, it's the study on the book of the Galatians, which is, if you don't have a definition of the gospel or how that works out personally for you, that's a study that, that you would want to go to. And so um, myself and Bill Mallo will be teaching that class. Uh, and again, it will be in the small uh, Sunday school class. The other one uh, will be taught by Trevor and Shane Hartley. Um, and it looks at how the gospel gets played out in church. And so what does that look like in the church? How the church brings the gospel into the world uh, in terms of suffering, in terms of speaking truth, uh, in terms of generosity. Uh, and so it's a little bit more... Uh, community-based, if you will, uh, approach to uh, how the gospel would play itself out. Uh, and so those two will be meeting, this one will meet in the large Sunday school room upstairs, uh, and then uh, the same time frame. Uh, and then if you're a college student, uh, David, I think, is still meeting downstairs, and he's teaching something. I have no idea what he's doing. Um, uh, but you will be in the office on Sunday mornings at the same time at 10 o'clock. That's it. That's Any great. questions? Thank you, Carl. So 10 o'clock? Uh, college students who are in there right now, a large Sunday school room, and the smaller one in the, the youth area. So it'll be marked. There'll be a little sign out there. A couple of sort of detailed pieces of information. Uh, first of all, um, with the community groups or small groups, um, uh, Chuck Marzon. Where's Chuck? So, Chuck, can you just stand up real quick? So this is Chuck. And if you want to know anything about community groups or small groups, you come to him. If you're interested in getting involved with one or how do I get a group together, or just anything, start with Chuck or you could contact Carly. Either way, they're sort of the, it was Sam, now it's thankfully Chuck. Uh, he's a patch. He wants to, not, not he's not the full fledged, but so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's number one. Number two, we're shifting our elder shepherding groups. So the way we've previously had it is you'd have an elder like Chuck, and then underneath him would be, you know, 20% of the congregation. It depends on how many elders you have. And that's been a pretty long list, like 40 names, 50 names. 
Uh, and so trying to make it easier to shepherd, we're going to put people that are in small groups underneath shepherds. That way, let's say Chuck is an elder and I'm running a small group, <clears throat> then I'd be underneath his group. And he would just say, Paul, you got 10 people in your small group. If there's any issues, can you just be the person who helps me see that? That way, Chuck isn't having all 10. Does that make sense? He's kind of relying like what we would call like an under shepherd on these small group leaders to say, hey, if there's something in your group, could you bring it to the elder if, if it's needed? Lots of times it's not needed. But if you say, hey, I think this family's in crisis or this person had, you know, something negative happen, just anything that could be helpful, then the elder will do that. So uh, it'll be a little more clear when we send out a document next month about how that's going to work, and it'll say you're in this group. Now, if you're not in a small group, you're still going to be underneath one of the elders, but we're just trying to get two or three small groups under every elder so there's not uh, quite as much uh, shepherding to do because some of that's going to be done inside, naturally, of your small group. All right, so if there's any any clarity on that, you can ask any elder about that. Uh, and then, again, we're going to send something out in the mail next week. In terms of involvement, you see that sheet of paper that we just passed around? This is most, but probably not all, of the things you can get involved with. So this is helpful to you, but it might be helpful to someone else that you know who's, hey, I'm here, but I'm not sure how to get involved. There's a ton of ways to get involved, sort of from the smallest time energy you know, point to, to the largest. And those are all the different sort of ministry type things we have going on and the contacts for that. So we want you to be aware of that. And again, that's going to come out in an email and you'll have that um, in that form as well. Um, the, the thing about that, uh, maybe I want to just say something about that, is um, it's really important for us as leaders that you try to take the initiative. I mean, we're always looking for help. But if you're like, I don't know, I'm waiting for Paul to call me. Well, that's not a great strategy. Uh, so look, just look at the list and say, I'm, I'm, I didn't know we had, I could help out with flowers or I could help out with weddings or I could help out with whatever, whatever it is. Now you know. And now you have the contact person. You could say, hey, what, is that, what does that involve? Can I talk to somebody? And we got that. Um, conflict resolution. We're going to give you some content. Did that go out already, Carly? No. It's going to go out this week. I, a lot of the things I deal with have to do with conflict. Somebody's in conflict with someone else in some form or another. And a lot of times it's what I would say is garden variety conflict. We're not talking about the five alarm fire, uh, although some of that. And I always think, okay, I got to keep a few things in mind. I'm going into a critical conversation or a crucial conversation. What do I want to make sure I don't say or do? What do I want to make sure I do say and do? And I've done this over and over and over, but I go back to the same two or three resources and say, okay, remember this, Paul, don't do this, don't do, do this. So uh, in this email, there's going to be, I think it's uh, a couple of written things, a couple of blogs, a couple of um, spoken, you know, dialogue things that have been helpful to me. They're not all Christian. They could, some of them are a little bit secular, but I'm, it's all truthful. And uh, I think it would be really helpful to, for you to put that in some kind of file that you could always go back to. Because you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to have a crucial conversation. What do I need to keep in mind when I have this with my boss, with a spouse, with my neighbor, whatever that is. 
So I would just keep it. And then you're going to talk to people who are going to say, hey, I'm about ready to go into a crucial conversation, and they're coming to you for help. And you go, hey, I've got all this great information, and you give it to them. I do this all the time. I do it every week. Hey, you need to, you need to look at this, read this, listen to this. So it's just material that you'd want to have that I think is helpful. Um, okay, so here we are. We're trying to quickly uh, go through uh, this sort of an update for Christ Community Church 2.0. And probably everybody knows this, but it's good just to kind of reset the table is, you know, uh, whatever we thought Christ Community Church should or would become, we felt like we became that at some point. And we're like, okay, good. But a lot of the goals, a lot of the dreams, a lot of the desires, not perfectly, but a lot of them got met, and we're like, okay, so here we are, and it was actually two years ago this month that I woke up at like two o'clock in the morning and just started hammering out a bunch of stuff for like four hours, and then I came to the staff meeting and said, hey, I'm just, I'm, I've been thinking about a lot of stuff. I, I, I put some stuff down in writing, and it wasn't anything new. It was just trying to get the ideas in a frame that you could kind of understand. Does that make sense? And I couldn't think of a better term for it. I just said, well, let's just call it CCC 2.0, which is what has stuck. And for a whole year, there, I probably had 25 meetings about it. Every staff meeting, we talked about it. A lot of you all were involved in meetings about some of these columns. Is this exactly what we want to say? Is this what we want to do? And then last year of June, not, not two months ago, but 14 months ago, we had a meeting, a congregational meeting many of you were at, and we said, okay, this is... Christ Community Church 2.0, and it involved these columns. And sort of the biggest thing that, or the most uh, obvious thing was we want to pay down the debt and we ha- we're going to have a capital campaign. So we did that. Thank, thank the Lord. It went really well. Um, and I just want to come back in this meeting and probably in other meetings when we have some space in the middle time that we're not doing Sunday schools, just say, hey, let's just report back because there's always things happening and there are a few things that happen at any one point we want to sort of just lift up to let you know. And so that's what I'm trying to do here today. So there's these five columns, growth, diversity, spiritual maturity, land and building, organizational structure. And I'm just going to try to work uh, through those so you know. So here, there's some information on the screen. I'll tell you some information. And at the end, if you have questions, uh, hopefully we'll have a few, few minutes for that. So just w- when we think about growth, we think about it in three different ways. One, just a number of people who use, utilize Christ Community Church. And so our attendance has grown a little bit, as you see, from 338 to 344. But one of the things that we didn't anticipate, and we're glad it's worked out this way, is that the K2 just exploded. And I'm not really sure why that was, but we averaged around 14 in the K2 uh, ministry. That's what happens during the service. And once, once we went to two services, it more than doubled. And I don't know if that was just, you know, better options or I'm not sure why that was. But that was pretty interesting. And so uh, we feel good about what we've done. I mean, we had a great first service here today. And honestly, I was nervous at, eight, at about 8.30. I was just like, 8.30, that's early. I mean, people are going to come. And honestly, I've been surprised that it's been a pretty steady number of people. And I don't know, were the deacon, or is there a deacon in here that counted today? No. I mean, I, I'm just guessing it was 125, 140, something like that. Uh, was that, what was the number? Yeah, 135, which is a great, you know, I thought we we're going to have, 
really everybody in the second service and 15 people in the first service, you know. And, uh, but it's really worked out well, and it's helped open up the seating and, and a lot of things that we wanted to see, do, see done there. Uh, although I have to say, man, I like one service in the summer. But, Paul, it's not about you, buddy. Um, okay, so our budget, just sort of simple numbers. In 2018, was 900000 In 2019, it's 950000 um, And pretty sure because of staffing issues, uh, like not having staff, uh, we're going to be underneath our expenses for the year. But um, one of the things that's just incredibly encouraging is uh, our increase in giving from 18 to 19, we just projected at 4%. It's kind of a conservative number. You think you're growing. And it's been 10%, which is just a big number, period. But when you raise $1.2 million in that year, it's like a super big number. So that's just great. Praise, praise God for that. Um, so growth, just some number of things. Growth, another area of growth that we think of is spiritual maturity. And I'll get to that column when I talk about the, uh, the discipleship uh, part. So we're not just trying to grow in numbers, sort of like width. We're also trying to grow in depth. And then another part of our growth is we're trying to grow in our connection and influence into the community. So we're not going to just judge growth by how many people come here on a Sunday morning. Does that make sense? We're also judging how we connect and intersect with other churches and other ministries and other things in the city. Are we growing in our partnerships with them, our influence in different areas? And, and we have our own limitations, but we're doing some of those things. And, you know, all these things that we do, like Iron Leadership, MOLO, the youth ministry, the college ministry, tutoring, the marriage conference, El Cuerpo, the medical clinic, and then the pastor's group that I'm in with this integrated Bible study. These are all things that are targeted towards being a part of the community, and that's important uh, to us. And then, of course, many of you are individually involved. You know, you're involved with different things. You sit on boards of things, and so we're trying to just promote us being salt and light out into the community. That's part of our growth. Now, one, one piece of our growth that's going to be the most obvious or visual is the clinic. Uh, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I'm going to have Jeremy, where's Jeremy, come up. And he is the doctor who's started all this. Are you going to tell him that story? Okay. Uh, so I won't tell it. And let Jeremy talk to you about the clinic. Good morning. I think I only have a few minutes. I'll try and say the right things quickly. Um, it's it's uh, kind of an amazing moment, really, just to be standing here and talking to the church about doing a clinic. Um, and I thought what I would do would be to tell you a quick story, just how it started. And some of this is in the email, hopefully, you got earlier in the week. And then I want to tell you who, who we're trying to reach, uh, what we're trying to do, and then how we're going to do it. So that's my goal. When I think about the story of the clinic, I think about a five-minute conversation, a five-hour trip, and a five-month planning process. So we had the El Cuerpo Ministry um, Health Fair, and I think that was in February, that Lizzie put on. And that was really an educational, mostly, piece, where there were different people speaking, a nutritionist and a mental health worker, et cetera. And I did an adult medicine talk, and we had a pediatrician come talk. And... They were in groups, and you had to pick, do you want to hear me talk or hear the pediatrician talk? And 
uh, everyone but one person came to me. And uh, we found out later, it's because all, now this was a targeted health fair for really our Latino neighbors. Well, all of their kids have insurance. They have Medicaid, many of them. Uh, but none of the adults have insurance, at least for the people that came. So they didn't need any pediatric resources. They wanted adult medicine resources. And then more than that, they said to Lizzie, well, because I, uh, I just talked about the flu and diabetes and hypertension. Um, and they asked Lizzie, well, can he see us? Like they wanted to be seen, not just to hear me talk about diabetes. And, of course, we weren't prepared for that. And so after the, that, at the end of that evening, I was talking with Paul, and we were talking about that. And I said, you know, I could do that. I mean, it would, I would like to do that. But um, I would like, if I ever did that, I would want to do it really as part of the church. I mean, there, there is another free clinic or, or actually we, First Fruits has a, I didn't know that. First Fruits has a clinic. But there are other options. But I'd always thought it would be better. I, I thought it would just be best to do it through the church for several different reasons. And I said to Paul, but I can't, I mean, I can't, I work, you know, I can't make that happen. I don't have the skills to make that kind of thing happen. That's a big, a big endeavor. And Paul just said, Lizzie, come here. (laughs) And Wendy was near me. You guys talk. And so we just started talking. And so that was a five-minute conversation with Paul. We, uh, a week or two later, we went to Greenville, North Carolina. And there's a church there called Oakmont Baptist Church. And they've been doing this for a decade. And we knew we knew someone that knew about it, so we like let's just get Wendy, my wife, called the clinic and set it up, and we just took a road trip on a Tuesday afternoon and went and just saw what they were doing. It was pretty impressive because we thought, well, it'd be fun to do something like this, but we don't, we don't even know what we're thinking about doing. So we saw what they were doing, and and it was a you know they'd been doing it for a dec- uh, decade. They had good processes in place, and it just helped us to start thinking what would this even look like. At the same time. Right around the time, David Parks, um, right here in the green, who's an administrator at the hospital, had wandered into the church, as I recall, for a different reason, to talk about youth ministry, got into a conversation with Paul. Paul mentioned the clinic, and David said, well, hey, we have some stuff at the hospital. We could help with that. So we set up a conversation with David for the morning after we got back from Greenville, and it just exploded. David brought a team in of uh, two other people, Myself, Lizzie, and Wendy met with them. We just talked about what we had seen, what we wanted to do. And David and his team put together, all right, we're going to help. And they put together, you know, here's what you're trying to do. They made it look super official on a piece of paper. It was very impressive. <laughs> here, are the 12, here are the 12 next steps, and they assigned people to do them, and it was all them. Like, they didn't even give us anything to do. So, like, okay, we like this. So we just kept meeting with David and his team, and they just kind of kept doing everything. It was really incredible. And so uh, that was really, we had this five-month process with David. These people at the hospital have been super helpful. Hopefully you'll get a chance to maybe see them, meet them. Uh, and then uh, my wife and Lizzie, that's kind of been the core team. So that's how we, we really got to this point. That's just a quick story. In terms of who we're trying to help, we're really trying to help uh, our neighbors, at least that would be our idea, around us, that don't have health insurance, that uh, don't have a high income, that afford to just go pay cash. Some people don't have health insurance because they choose to. Uh, and that are adults. So that's really who we're trying to see. It's going to be adult only, 18 and older, uninsured, no Medicare, no Medicaid, no private insurance. 
and uh, a certain income threshold. We're just going to ask that question, by the way. I'm, we're setting it at two times the poverty limit, and we're just asking. We're not – no proof of with the wage statement. We're just going to ask the question. If they, and so that's going to be really uh, who we're trying to help. Anyone, you know, and part of that thought is if someone could come from the apartment complex here, just, oh, they have a free health clinic, they'll see us. But that may not be who we're really trying to help. So that's kind of how we've set, we, we, we've set it up like that. Interestingly, as I've looked around, most clinics actually do require proof of income. We're not starting there. We may end up there. I don't know. But that's, that's who we're trying to help. What we're trying to do, um, we're really trying to provide basic health care, primary care. Um, and we're, we're, we want to do it, and we want it to be completely free to the patient. So we want everything we do to cost. You know, you come in, there's no copay. We're going to do labs, appro- appropriate labs. We're going to prescribe appropriate meds, and, and we're going to pay for all of it. Um, but we're trying to do it, one, because they need health care. But one of the reasons we, we really wanted to make this, we actually brainstormed where should we do it. Should we do it in a church? Should we rent space somewhere? Should we do it? But we want it, we want it to be in our, our church space because one of the things we really want to do is we want to have people come into our building, be familiar with our space, so that as we extend mercy to them, we can open up the door for conversations, and then hopefully it would lead to an opportunity to offer the gospel to them. Now, that's not, it's not going to be a requirement. People can come in and see me or, or the provider and get health care and maybe just choose not to. But, but that is going to be a component of what we do. We're going to have a spiritual care component toward the end of the visit, at the end of the visit for our, the patients that we see. So let me just walk you through uh, the process of what it would look like just so you guys can picture it. It's all going to be in this building on the main floor. The, the upstairs is going to be is occupied. Uh, during that time, it's going to be twice a month, the first and third Tuesday at 6.30. It's going to be approximately two hours. That's what we're anticipating. So uh, people will come, patients, our neighbors will come in the front door. We'll have a registration desk. We'll have lots of translators because we are, it's not going to be exclusive to our Latino neighbors, but we, want, we have had them in mind as we plan this, and we want to be able to communicate with everyone that would come in. If they speak English, great, we got that down, but Spanish is a little tougher for us, and so we're going to have to have a lot of translators. Lizzie's helping us with that. But they would come in the front, uh, fill out a quick eligibility form with those questions I mentioned. If we determine that we can see them, then we're going to give them a new patient packet. They're going to fill it out. We're going to help them fill it out if they need that. And then we're going to have them come, uh, probably sit in the lobby and kind of wait. And then it's all going to happen kind of down this hallway where they'll come meet with a nurse uh, who's going to get more history, and then they're going to come into an exam room. The exam rooms are going to be the two- and three-year-old nursery rooms down here by this door. I will see them there, and then they'll come out. We're going to have a person drawing labs. That will be in the church library. And then uh, after labs, they would come talk to our social worker, who's going to connect them with any services they may be eligible for or need. Um, if, if they need a referral, we're trying to get that established as well. We're going to try and set all that kind of thing up. Uh, x-ray, if they need that. We won't have x-ray on site. No, no imaging on site. That would be all at the hospital. Uh, and then the last stop would be um, with uh, someone doing the spiritual care piece if they wanted to be prayed for or talk or have questions. Then they would leave. Does that make sense? That's just the flow of the clinic. Um, 
don't think if I missed anything. I think that's what I wanted to say about the flow. Um, in terms of numbers, we're going to start. I'm going to be the only provider in the beginning. We're really just going to try and nail down the whole process and flow. And once we get that work, I mean, it would be, you know, I could get a, a colleague to come help me, but then, you know, if we don't have the process worked out well, that might not be a good experience for them. So we're going to try to get that worked out. And um, we could imagine that we might eventually have more than one provider at a time. I don't, I, it could be the case. I can't imagine we do more than two. I, we just don't have the space for it. Uh, and we're really not trying, to, we're not trying to grow huge. We're not trying to be a big multi-specialty clinic. We, we're, part of the idea, at least as I've had it, is that we would be doing our little part here, and it may be a model that other churches could copy. And having the hospital get involved... Um, you know, it's been great because they know how they've helped us and they are, are willing, I think, and interested in helping other uh, churches or other groups do something like this. So that's, that's a hope that we can pilot something and make it reproducible around the city. Um, in terms of needs for the clinic, there's really two obvious needs, money and people. Uh, one of the very encouraging things uh, to start with the money is, obviously we're trying to provide all this at no cost to patients. That does require money. We've been able to partner with a lab out of Raleigh called Mako, and they've given us incredible pricing on labs. We're going to run lab panels for anywhere from $1.50 to $3 a piece. And if you've ever gotten a, a, a health care bill, it, you've paid more than $1.50 for your labs. <laughs> They're also providing all of the equipment. Needles, test tubes, centrifuge, refrigerator, everything we need for the labs. And they're going to come pick it up and take it away. The only thing we have to do is just draw the blood. Um, and in fact, this, this lab, I wasn't even familiar with the Mako, but you know, I think all their couriers are you know, a veterans or wounded or disabled veterans. It's really a neat, a neat group. But that's our lab. I'm uh, working on some partnerships with a pharmacy to, to set up the pharmacy piece so that when we prescribe meds, they go there, they get them. We're going to have a limited, uh, inexpensive formulary. Uh, I'm, we're not writing for super expensive drugs because, you know, one, a couple of drugs could take our yearly budget, as you know. So we're, gonna, we're sticking with drugs that are affordable, that, and so hopefully we can, can help lots of patients. Um, but in terms of people, we're going to have, obviously we have nursing needs, we have administrative needs, people that are going to be greeting them as they come in, social work needs. Um, and those, those are the main needs. And uh, Several of you have already signed up. Wendy has a great list already. But we're going to ask for people to volunteer. We know that a lot of you want to volunteer. You've been asking us about it. When's this happening? Well, it's happening now. In fact, it's going to start October 1st. That's our first official start. So we're just about a month out. We'll be out in the lobby for a, a sign-up if you want to uh, volunteer to help. Uh, you know, we realized early in the process we need someone to coordinate this. This can't, you know, I can't do it. Paul can't do it. Not that he doesn't want to do it. Uh, and so, uh, as you probably know, the church hired Wendy, my wife. Um, attractiveness was part of the criteria, so she really, <laughs> she shot right to the top and got hired. But she's working part-time for the church, eight to ten hours a week. And so she is really uh, running the whole show. So when you'll be out in the lobby, I'll probably be out there too if you have questions. Um, uh, so that's the people piece. Uh, the other thing about the money piece is uh, we, early on, Live Oak Bank got interested in helping us. And I don't even know, there's someone in here, maybe Karen Myers? Okay. 
Anyhow, Karen, new name, new last name, who works there, told someone at Live Oak. They contacted us and said, hey, we want to help. And we had a few meetings with them. Uh, we, uh, they said we want to help. We, we asked, uh, applied for a grant, and they gave us $12,000. Uh, as we project our financial needs in the clinic, uh, I think our yearly needs are going to be about in the $30,000 range. Uh, that would include the salary for Wendy and, and then the, the ongoing cost, meds, labs, all those kind of things. We, our startup costs, uh, we figured our one-time startup cost to be about $9,400. Uh, the hospital said, hey, why don't you apply to, uh, for, to us for a grant? And they gave us a check for $9,475, which is exactly what we projected our startup cost to be. Uh, I've just had two people that I know give me a check for $500. So we've, we already have uh, about $23,000 as we're just getting started. So we're super thankful. That's been very encouraging to me and to Wendy and the team that are starting this, that, you know, money is, is an ongoing need, but it's just started coming in, and we just barely got started. People, all those came to us. Actually, we didn't actually seek out any of those, so it's, it's super exciting. Um, there, there will be an option if anybody is super excited and feels encouraged by this talk, you know, to go on the website. There's going to be a drop-down link, and you can actually give if you want to give financially. But those are going to be our ongoing needs, financial uh, resources and then people resources. As we start, one last comment. I may be over five minutes. <laughs> we, we want everyone to volunteer that wants to help. I'll just be real quick. As we start, we're going to stick with the same crew just to get our processes down, but we're going to try really try to promise to stay in touch with everyone and then roll, roll volunteers in as we're able to let people serve. Thanks. Thank you. Isn't that awesome? So, a couple things you learned from that. One, don't get in a conversation with Paul Phillips because he'll put you in touch with people. Two, don't ever say to an elder, take your time. Uh, sorry, Jeremy. Um, so look, you, that, pro, that was great, but it did create a lot of questions. So what about this and all that kind of stuff? Let's just see them in the lobby and there's going to be a frequently asked question sheet that goes out. So you'll get more information. So that we've thought through a bunch of stuff. We haven't probably thought through everything. So your question uh, could be helpful in that way. So you can see we've been hard at work at lots of things. Um, and I want to mention, I want to try to quickly go through, uh, these other pieces. So that's uh, that was on part of the growth piece. So one another one of our columns is diversity. And so when we think about diversity, really in our mind is uh, we're trying to just say, hey, we live in a diverse community. We want that to be reflected in our church. It's not like we're trying to go do something that would be weird for us. We're just saying, hey, we reach out in the community. We want to reach out in all parts of the community. It's not very complicated. But all parts of our community, if you just draw like a three-mile circle, there's a lot of diversity. And we want that diversity to be reflected in the church. And that takes, a, that takes effort, intentional effort. It doesn't just happen, as most of you, you know. So we have the, the Spanish translation, and we're building bridges. And um, I would say just a couple things on that. One, one of the things that we feel um, pressure in the best way is to, to keep to try to put more people uh, that, of diversity in leadership positions. 
uh, whether that's on the pastoral staff or whether that's just on the general staff or whether that's in an elder role or any other kind of role because we think that's important. But, man, that just take, it, it takes energy and effort to try to find the people and, and they, they're for what we're for. And, but we, we think about that and we're trying to move in, in God's timing on that. And sometimes, honestly, I just think, gosh, this is so hard. And uh, our whole culture, you know, is, is um, <clears throat> there's a lot of conversations about diversity that uh, can be squirrely. And sometimes I just don't know if we're doing what we should be doing or enough. And we had a Hispanic or an El Cuerpo meeting that Lizzie ran. I don't know, it was in the spring. And um, Liz and I feel the same way. These, a lot of people came, 20 people came that were in the Hispanic community. And uh, they were like, you guys are, you know, you guys are awesome. We're like, hey, we're just the new, we're the new people at the table. But we're running meetings now. And when I was leaving, three women who had come to the meeting stood outside and waited for me to come out and said, we can't thank you enough for what you're doing. So it's very encouraging just to hear them say, we, we see it, we notice it, we're, we're helped by it, and we want to be encouraging uh, to you. Um, next slide is land and building. So uh, a couple things on that. One, I'm very happy to report that our mortgage this time last year was a million seventeen, and now it's four ninety. So that is good news. That's a good... Don't, don't you wish in the last year all of your mortgages had been cut in half? <laughs> Mine's gone down like $100. Um, so that's great. And the projected payoff is October 2020. So that will be awesome. We have raised $1.55 million. That's what's been pledged. Some more money will come in, but that is really great. Uh, we've had some upgrades in our lobby. We're working on some tech things. And we've had a uh, one meeting that will be several meetings, uh, maybe 20 people, se- several of you all came, about the, uh, the land use. So we're trying to look at the whole eight acres we have here and say, if it got built all the way out in 20 years, what would it look like? Where, where would be the parking? Where would be a field? Where would be another building? So we're just on the beginning level of that. And hopefully at some point we'll say, hey, here's basically our footprint. And uh, the one thing that we're working on right now that's a more of a near-term project is we want to upgrade and expand the playground area. Because really, that's like a backyard playground, and now it gets used. I, I couldn't tell you how much use it gets. And it's, it's not a danger, but it <laughs> needs to be upgraded. Let's just say that. So we, we were trying to upgrade that. And in order to put the right footprint down, you have to know where another building might be. Does that make sense? So you don't want to put down a, a footprint that's bigger and then say, whoops, we need to move it. Uh, so we're, we're just on the beginning part of that. Land and building, organizational structure. This is stuff you don't see really, but um, very important to the internal organization. And something you will see is we're redesigning our website, or I would say Spence re- is redesigning it. And I think sometime this fall that comes out. Uh, there's some other things there. Uh, probably the most notable outside of uh, the website is uh, hiring, <clears throat> which kind of goes into the second one as well. So we are actively looking for someone uh, to replace Sam, and it wouldn't be a match. You know, somebody's going to come in and have some different skills. And uh, it's hard. It's hard to find somebody. We, it's not hard at all to get resumes. <clears throat> I mean, we've probably gotten 75, 100, I mean, I don't know, tons. 
but most of them just immediately, you know, they, they don't fit for whatever reason. So I've had maybe three or four conversations, which just is the next step, and only one person's made it past that. Uh, so we haven't done, we haven't, we haven't found the right person yet. Maybe this one person will be it. We'll see. But we are looking, and uh, maybe me most of all, uh, looking for that person uh, because we need another person to come in. And specifically, I mean, there'll be other things the person does, <clears throat> but specifically they're going to focus in on this uh, spiritual maturity. And that I purposely in this diagram put that in the center column um and so we're one of the thing one of the ways we're trying to grow is to grow deeper people and we have a lot of great things going on but there can be somebody who's got that's just their whole mindset as i just walk into the church and i think how are these adults being rooted and grounded in the love of christ now, we got people doing that for other age groups, and to some degree it's happening for adults, but there's just a lot more we can do for ourselves that is also for the community. And as we grow deeper, we're going to be bearing fruit. Uh, so we just need somebody to do that, and that can't be me because I've got my own sort of leadership role, so we need somebody else to come in and do that. So that's the, that's the kind of person we're looking for. Uh, specifically, and just in my mind, and, and since I was at Furman a couple weeks ago, it's always good to look at Furman. Uh, so this is the campus. They they were downtown Greenville, and they moved out, and this was in the 50s. And you see the circle down to the right. There's a circle there, and if you went down past the picture, there's another circle, and then this in between, two parallel lanes in between they call the mall. You can't see it too well, but there's little black dots there that are trees, it's a little bit better picture. Little trees they planted in the 50s. And so this week I was there. And that's, that, that's what it looks like now. So in my mind, we're more like the field. And we're planting people. And my hope is that long after I'm in heaven, trees, big trees are going to be here. That, that the city of Wilmington is going to enjoy uh, because we took time to plant, to water, to feed, to have a vision past our time. We're not just trying to do stuff just because we personally benefit. We're trying to do it because there's going to be a million people that live along this area in 100 years. And we want a great church that's like a great tree that is helping our city. And so that's an important part of what we do. Okay, so... I have maybe two minutes here. So anybody got like a burning question or anything that I can help you with right now? We really want you to feel like you're in the loop. You know, that, that hey, there's a bunch of stuff happening. I don't know about it. We're trying to tell you here's, here's all the stuff. Best we can say is happening. And we don't want you to be afraid to ask a question in any way, whether it's to us or to an elder or to a staff person. So let me pray for, pray together. Lord, <clears throat> again, thank you for your providence. Um, and, and we just see it in this little slice with the clinic that one expressed need, one conversation, one visit, and then you open up the floodgates of uh, help. 
and I pray that just we, we would be open to that, working in, in, in many different ways here at Christ Community Church. That would help souls be saved, be rescued, grow in conformity to the image of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you soon. And if you're going to stick around.